Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew presents Jesus as the King of the Jews, and he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're at the beginning of the ministry of Christ. He has chosen his 12, what we would say, sometimes people say 12 disciples. They also call them apostles, twins sent forth of authority. They've come to this long, sloping hill, and he's teaching them, and as he's teaching them, a crowd is gathered, and we call this the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we call it. He's dealing with issues of righteousness. Now, he's not talking about how to be saved or anything. He's talking to his 12 apostles, and he's telling them about how do we live out righteously in a fallen world, basically. And we've seen a lot in our studies so far. There's been a big contrast between the contrast between the religious leaders and Jesus Christ. The religious leaders always looked at the external. They just looked at the law and said, don't, you know, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Jesus said it's both internal and external. And what he did is he took, in the first part, he talked about how they looked at the law and how, how we should live it out. And we looked at things like murder and anger and adultery and lust and divorce and oaths and vows and revenge and love. And he did all of those kind of things, we moved into a next section. The next section is basically chapter 6, verse 1, where notice what he says there, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them, otherwise you'll have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So he starts off by saying, don't do what we do to be seen by others. And he has dealt already with the giving. He said, don't give so that people can see that you give. He said, otherwise you already have your reward. You don't have a reward from God. And when you pray, he says, are you going to be public prayer? Want to stand out where everybody can see you and think you're something? Because that's what the religious leaders did. He said, don't do that. Well, this morning, he gets to another subject, and it's the word fasting. And we're going to talk a little bit about it, and we'll see how it fits together. But in this passage, not only does he deal with fasting, but we're going to take a look at Christ's teaching concerning wealth and our attitude concerning wealth. And he's, he's going to, the famous passage about don't lay up, you know, lay up your treasure in heaven, not on earth. And, and we'll talk about that because it all ties together and we'll see how it fits. Well, we all know that there's a pull. We live in the, we live in the greatest country in the world. There's no doubt about it. We, but there's a pull there all the time to, especially you, you turn on the television and there's 8 million commercials. There's, everything is pulling you to get this. You go somewhere and it says get this or get this. And what we live in is what's called materialism. The whole idea that, uh, that we're pulled all the time to, to want things. We live in the richest nation in the world. And just think about this. Our poverty, we talk about people who are in poverty. We say in poverty in the United States, our poverty would be rich in every other country in the world. And any place else, poverty. We, what we, I did a, read a thing the other day. It showed that 65% of people who are listed in poverty, 65% own their homes, have big screen TVs, have microwaves, have DVDs, and at least one car. That's our poverty. Think about the rest of the world. When there's some people that they, they don't make 20 cents a day. And, and this is our poverty. Uh, I used to say, I don't care anything about material possessions as long as I have them. And you know, sometimes that's what we think. But what is our attitude? What is our attitude toward wealth? What is our attitude toward this? Jesus said something. Uh, let, me, let me just say this, and you tell me, does this sound right? What you love, you will treasure. That sounds right, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus actually said, what you treasure you will love. What you count as valuable is what you love. And so what we count as valuable, that's what we'll love. If we think things are valuable, we're going to treasure these things. We're going to love these things. 
And so we got to be really careful. Now, we're not, we're not saying it's wrong to have material possessions or anything like that. We're just saying it's wrong to love them. It's wrong, it's wrong as, as he says in another part of the Bible, don't, don't pursue wealth. Uh, don't, the root of all evil, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, not possessions, but the love of it. How important is this? You know, when you think about, uh, and we don't, we just go through the Bible, but have you ever thought about the old issue of money and wealth? that's found in the Bible. 16 of the 38 parables that you find in the Bible, 16 of them deal with money. There is more said in the New Testament about money than either heaven or hell put together. There are five times more talked about money than there is talked about prayer. And then there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible dealing with money and possession. So when you think about it, you go, wow, it must be something to that because it's got so much of it. And we're going to look at it. And so as, as we begin, we see this section. We're seeing the whole idea of living out who you are. And he's got into that part about uh, why do you do what you do? Do you do it to be seen? And what we talked about is this. If we do good to be seen by men, actually he says in one place you have no reward. But what we find out is you already have your reward. If your reward is to be seen by people and you're seen by people, you've already got your reward. But if you do good to please God, not to be seen by people, he will reward us. And we're going to see that. He's already talked about giving. He used the example of the religious leaders going to the temple, blowing a trumpet so people would look at them as they put money into the, into the, to the big jars. And then we, he used the example of prayer. And he talked about how some of the people love to wear their long robes, go out in front of everybody, in front of the temple, in front of the air, and they pray these long prayers so everybody can think that they're spiritual. He says, listen, when you give, people don't have to know what you give. People don't need to know what you give. He says, when you pray, public prayer, that we already talked about it, needs to be short. Private prayer can be long as you want to. He says, get off by yourself when you pray. And so the bottom line is, you know, do we do what we do to be seen by people or do we do it to please God? Chapter 6, verse 1 is where he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men. He says, don't practice doing good before people to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father's heaven. We already said that the reward that you have is right then. You've already got it. And he talked about hypocrites. He says, hypocrite is someone who plays a part. The Greek word for hypocrite, which, we, which, is, which is the New Testament, it means to, under the mask is what it literally means. Hupo, the first part of it, hupo Christos, under the mask. It was a, an actor. You pretended to be something you weren't. And so a hypocrite is pretending to be, they were pretending to be, uh, you know, really righteous, but they did everything to be seen by people. As we moved along, we saw the whole idea of giving, the whole idea of praying, and now he moves to another subject, fasting. And we talk about fasting. People say fasting. Um, I'm not sure I've ever fasted, not really fasted, not biblical fasting. And we talk to people. If I said, raise your hand, and if you fasted, you, some people might raise their hand. When we think about fasting, what are we talking about? Literally, it's not taking in necessities of life. It could be that for a period of time, you drink nothing to eat nothing. Some people say, well, it's okay to drink water. You can drink water, but don't eat anything. That's fasting. The Jewish people were commanded to fast one time on the, on the 10th day of the seventh month, which is called the Day of Atonement, the Day of Covering. It was a high holiday, and it was a sad day. It was the day in which they remembered their sins, and they were covered for a year. That's what they did on the Day of Atonement. They were to fast on that day. They were not to eat that day. The religious leaders did some things. They fasted every Monday and every Thursday because they were very special and they were better than everybody else. That's what they did. Uh, let me show you an example. When I was at Dallas Seminary, there were four guys that I knew. And you, there was a time that everybody ate lunch. You just you had classes and then there was a break for lunch. 
these four guys, uh, once a week, every Wednesday, would meet together, and they wouldn't eat. But they would take the money that they would have spent for lunch, and they put it together. And then once a month, they sent it to a missionary friend that had already gone through seminary and was in a mission somewhere. So they did not eat. Everybody else was eating lunch. They didn't eat. They just were together. They prayed for the missionary, and they put their money together and then sent it off. That was, that was a fasting. We find fasting a lot in the Old Testament. Esther told everybody to fast. Uh, there are commands all over. But let me tell you this, and you look through the Scripture yourselves. Now, you get confused because the New Testament begins at the death of Jesus Christ. You understand that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, even though they're in our New Testament, the New Testament does not begin till the death of the testator. Jesus Christ's blood is the blood of the New Covenant. And so... Uh, you might see where Jesus talked about fasting. But in the New Testament, you will not find a command to fast. You'll find commands to pray and to give and those kind of things. Fasting is fine. People can fast all they want to. We know that the elders prayed and fasted when they sent Paul and Barnabas out. So we're not saying it's wrong to fast. There's just not a command that says fast at certain times or do certain things. You have to decide for yourself. Do you want to take a day? And you say, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a day a month and where I might eat breakfast or I might eat lunch out or, or something, and I, I will take that money and I'll do something with it. Or I'll just, I'll spend the, the whole time of fasting. And usually what they would do is they would fast, not eat, and they would spend that time in prayer. That's what fasting was supposed to be like. And so he's going to talk about the fasting. And notice verse 16, he says, When you fast, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they'll be noticed by men when they're fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. And so he starts off by saying, listen, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't, when we fast, don't put on a gloomy face. And so what the, some of those religious leaders would do, they would look terrible, their hair would be messed up, they would, and they would walk around and they'd go, what's going on? Oh, I'm, I'm fasting for the Lord. You know, and they wanted to be seen. That's what he said. He said, they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they're fasting. And he says, I'll tell you, they already got that reward right then. They, were, they wanted to be seen by men. They were seen by men. That's their reward. And so when we fast, so to, to, the goal is it's not, not for people to even know that you fasted if you decide to fast. Look at verse 17. But when you fast, but you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, clean yourself up, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He said, listen, when you fast, don't go around letting anybody know you're fasting. The goal is not to show how spiritual you are. The goal of the fasting is to spend time talking to God, so that, and you don't have to worry about eating or anything because you spend your time talking to Him. He says, so look normal. Take care of yourself so that when you're fasting, you will be not be noticed by men, but by your Father. And so he says, others will not know that you're fasting. Others will not know we're fasting. If we decide to fast. So, when you pray, your prayer, you're not praying so everybody can see you. When you're giving, you're not giving so everybody can see you. When you're fasting, if you're fasting, you're not fasting so everybody can see you. You're doing it as, as acts of worship and love for God. And whether if somebody sees you or not, that, it may, they may see you. They may see you praying, but you're not praying so they'll see you. They may see you giving, but you're not giving so they'll see you giving. You may fast, but you're not fasting so everybody can see that you're fasting. That's what he's talking about. He's basically saying, oh, oh, God will reward us. If we're, if, we're, if we're to be seen by men, there's no reward from God because we already have a reward. But if it's to be seen by God, if we're doing it for him, he will reward us. 
So that's the thing. And what we've seen, and he's going he's to bring a little different subject because he's going to talk about treasures and wealth and all that. And by the way, it still goes to be seen because the religious leaders believed that if you were wealthy, you were blessed by God. A person that was poor wasn't as, wasn't as, wasn't as good as they were. So the, by the way, the, 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 the high priest, the Sadducee group and the high priest were very wealthy people at the time of Christ. They were wealthy. They had a lot of money. And uh, the regular people didn't have money. And so if you looked at them and said, religious leaders, they would say, yes, we're highly blessed by God because we have wealth. And so Jesus is going to talk about that because if you do have wealth, is it to be seen by people? Or is it blessing by God? What is it? So he turns to another aspect. Uh, By the way, we must live our lives with the motivation to please God rather than to be seen by others. And now he turns toward this attitude toward material things. And how do you view wealth? What's our attitude? Why do we do what we do? Do do we love the things of the world or the things of the Lord? Materialism is a a hard thing for a lot of people. I'll just say this in a nice way. Things don't mean that much to me. I love, I, I like stuff. And, you know, if you said, man, there's a good book, I go, oh, I want that book. But, but it, truly, as far as a whole lot of things, I'm, I'm just, I'm, by the grace of God, I've just never been in that too much. Uh, some people, it's just harder for them than others. We live in a world that makes it hard. And so where are we putting our time and our priorities and the things of this world? Is it on the eternal things of God or on the, the things of this world? Now, watch what he says, because here's his point. He says it in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But, here's the contrast, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. He's basically saying, don't put all your emphasis on things that aren't going to last very long because they can break, they can tear up, somebody can steal them. But, but actually put your emphasis on things that are going to last forever. So he says, first of all, do not store for yourself treasures on earth. That's earthly treasure. That's material things. They're temporal. They're temporal. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says, it's not wrong to possess things, but it's wrong for things to possess us. We're not saying there's wrong, anything wrong with material possessions. You can have all you want. You can get houses and cars. But just why are you getting that? What's your motivation behind it? What are you doing with it? Is this the pursuit of your life things? I have to tell you this. I, this has been a long time ago. It's been over 20 years ago. But I remember uh, going, going to a person's house. And they had a really nice house. And at that time, you know, I, I, you know we, we had a small house. But we went to their house. And... Uh, I naturally, uh, to be real honest with you, I could care less whether that house was very big or not because I don't care about that. But I walked in and I was being nice. I said, wow, what a, you have a beautiful house. I just love this house. And he said, well, maybe someday you can have something like this. And I wanted to say, someday I don't want anything like this. This is not what I strive for in my life. And, and so what are we doing? What, what, it, what, what do we really want? And he says, listen, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in. He says, don't store up earth, things on earth. Why? Because they're temporal. They don't last. Listen, when you die, you don't take anything with you. you, you as Job said, naked I came to the world, naked I leave. You, you, you don't have anything with you. We come in to this world with nothing, and by God's grace and family and friends, he takes care of us and blesses us, and we go through life, and then when life's over, you, you just leave, it, leave all the material things behind. 
And so he says, listen, don't store up for yourself. Earth, don't, don't make it the goal. It always amazed me. You remember there's a parable where there's this rich man and he has barns and, he's, and, and the crops are just coming in. And he says, what am I going to do with all my stuff? I've got so much. I'm going to tear down barns and build bigger barns and put even more in there. And then God comes to him at night and he says, you're a fool because tonight you're dying. And you've put all this emphasis on all this stuff what should that guy have done when his barns are full and he's got even more coming in? You know what he could have done with some of that? He could have given it away because God's blessing him beyond measure. Listen, why does God give you anything? To use for his glory. To use for his glory. So he says, listen, don't, put, don't store up treasure on earth. Moth will get in there, rust will destroy. Steve's will, Steve's will break in. They'll get it. Don't do that. Proverbs 20, 23, 4 says, don't labor to be rich. I can remember I was coaching at Mississippi State, and I had a pretty, I mean, it's a good job. I was coaching at Mississippi State. And so uh, I had this guy that uh, was a big, he was a big Mississippi State fan, and he owned a car dealership. And, and he said, uh, you're looking for a car? I said, I'm looking for a brand new car, which I wouldn't do today, but I did then. And uh, he, he said, uh, so I bought a 1978 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme sunroof, everything you could name. It was, I got in that car, I thought, man, oh man, you know what, and about three, four years later, the paint fell off, the thing fell down, you know, I mean, it just, it wore out, you know, it wears out. Material things don't last, and, and sometimes people steal them, and so he says, look, don't store up all that. Don't go after earthly things. It's okay to have things, but don't make that your motive. Don't make that your goal. Don't make that your dream. As I'm going to have this car and this car and this car and this house. and this. Don't make that your dream. God may give you great everything, and that's okay. Sometimes God blesses us so much we say, good gracious, look what God has done for me. But look what he does say. But, verse 20, but store for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Treasures in heaven. You know why? Because treasures in heaven are eternal. Nothing can happen to them. But I want to I raise two questions for us. What, what are heavenly treasures? And how do you get heavenly treasures? Well, first of all, heavenly treasures are rewards from God. When you stand before Jesus Christ, we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, well, I'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The word judgment is bema, B-E-M-A, Greek word, which means reward stand. It's the idea that you stand before Jesus Christ and he says, well done. This is for you. This is for you. That's treasures in heaven. That's how you get them as you serve here. You serve Jesus Christ here and, 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 and you get them. So, well, heavenly treasure reward. So how do you, how do you get them? You get them by serving. You, you, you run the race with endurance. You live for Jesus Christ. And, and, that's, and, and when you live for him now, uh, one day when you stand before him, he'll say, well done. That's the goal. Second uh, Corinthians says that, the, that God will praise each one of us the grace of God. You realize... That not only does he give us eternal life, not only gives us the power of the Holy Spirit, not only gives us the word of God, not only does he give us spiritual gifts, he puts us in situations where we can serve him, and then when we serve him, he rewards us for serving him. He's so good. He's so great to us. Our goal should be to serve God and to store up heavenly, eternal treasures. Now, here's the verse that a lot of people get confused because what do we value? What do we treasure? Do we treasure things? 
the things of, of this earth or the things of God. Look what he says. For where your tra- basically he says, don't store up stuff uh, um, in the world, but store up things for heaven where that can't be stolen. He says, for where your treasure is, that your heart will be. What you treasure, you will love. We used to think, I love something, so I'll treasure it. No, no, no. What you think is important and valuable, that's what you end up loving. What you treasure, you love. So be careful on what you're counting as valuable. If we treasure earthly things, we love earthly things. If we treasure heavenly things, we'll love heavenly things. Don't treasure the temple things that don't last. We live in a world that's pushing you to do it all the time. Treasure, not the things of the world, but the things of God. Now, let me show you something, because these next, this next verse, these next two verses, they're kind of weird. They're a little bit hard, and you have to sort of understand the flow, because he's going to say that how we view things now, how we view things eternally or temporally affects our lives even now. And he uses this eye thing. Look in verse 22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What does he talking about. He's talking about how do we view the things of the earth? How, how do I, what do our eyes see? Do, do our eyes, do we eye the things of the earth or do we eye the things of God? Let me read a couple of quotes to you. A guy by the name of Emerson said, a man is what he thinks about all day long. What are you seeing? What are you looking for? What are you thinking about? Uh, Marcus Aurelius said this way, a man's life is what his thoughts make of him. William James said, the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitude of their mind. And we find in the scripture, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Listen, what, what are you looking at? What are you eyeing? What do you think is important? He says, the, the eye, what you're seeing and how you're looking at the world is the lamp of the body. If your eye's clear, the whole body's going to be okay. But if your eye's bad, your body's going to be full of darkness. And so look what he says. He says, if we see clearly, that's healthy. That's seeing things from an eternal perspective. We're going to be fine if we see badly. That's unhealthy. That's temporal. We've seen everything temporally. So how are you looking at this world? How are you viewing things? And see, he says in verse 22, the, the, the eye is the lamp of the body, so then if, third class, maybe, maybe your eye is clear, and if it is, your whole body will be full of light. Wow, and that means if you're seeing things in the right way, it's going to affect your whole life, especially one day when you stand before your Savior. But he says, but if your eye is bad... That's the evil. Looking at the, the, when he says bad there, the word actually has an idea of evil. It's your focus not on the eternal things, but on the simple things. If you're going through life and all your focus is on all the things and what you want and how to get it and all of those things, he says, it's bad. And there's a darkness there. And the light that's in you is dark. What a great darkness. How do you going through life that way? Because in the bottom line is when you stand before your Savior, Jesus, you'll have wasted You'd have wasted the time he gave you because you put your emphasis on temporal things that don't last and you miss the eternal things that do last. Proverbs 28, 22, a man with an evil eye hastens after wealth and does not know that want will come upon him. He's basically saying that if evil is to go after material things and want them. There's nothing wrong with having them. There's nothing wrong with God blessing you. There's nothing wrong with saying, we want, we want a house, we want a car. Nothing wrong with that. We're saying, is the emphasis of your life getting those things? And if it is, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out. And so he gives the summary. Don't go after earthly things. That's the evil eye. Go after heavenly things. That's the good eye. And then he ends it. And, and you could say, well, why not? Can't, can we... Uh, 
Can we just go after both? <laughs> Let's just go after the things here and, and then try to do something for God as well. Verse 24, you can't serve two of them. You can't do both. No one can serve two masters. Well, he'll hate the one and love the other. He'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The word wealth there is the word for mammon, which means material things. That's what an idea there is that you can't love them both. You can't, you can't say, I love God and I love things. Not at the same. It, it, the, you'll, he says you'll end up hating one and, and despising the other. You, just, you can't go after both things. You just can't. And so what you've got to say is, Lord, the only thing that really matters to me is living for you. You decide to, to bless me, that's fine. And, you know, if I get a nice house, that's fine. If, you know, if I get, that's fine. But that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to have all that. I'm here to live for Jesus Christ. And, of course, look, look through the Bible. Abraham was so wealthy. King David was so wealthy. Solomon was so wealthy. Isaac was, I mean, there have been great people of God who were wealthy people. It's not saying wealth is bad. We're saying the pursuit of wealth is what can be bad. There's an old saying that says, money is a good slave, but it's a horrible master. And there are a lot of people in our, in our, in our world, there are a lot of even Christians that are so hung up on material things that they can't serve God. And you can't do both. The pull is there to have the things of the world and to have the things of God, but you can't do both. And I've said this while ago and I got this written down. Understand I'm not saying things are wrong. I'm saying this total desire to have these things and the love of money will end up being bad for us. It will end up serving things rather than God. So what do we do? Let's seek to live for God, storing up treasure in heaven rather than treasure on earth, because treasure on earth doesn't last anyway. It doesn't last. You know, when you get older, you begin to think about, what's it going to be like when I die? You know, I've thought about that lately. And I thought, what about all my books? <laughs> you know the library, the library in there, that library, those are my books. I put them all in there. I have so many books, we couldn't put them in my office. So I put some of my main books in my office, and then the rest we put in the library. And then one of these days, I'm going to die, Right? What happens to all these books, you know? Because I, I think they're valuable, but in reality, uh, they're not much, right? You can always get another book. What really matters is, are you going to live for God or are you going to live for books? You know, think about it. Seek the eternal. Storing up treasure in heaven rather than things on the earth because things on the earth just don't last. Well, we've seen fasting. If you're going to fast, don't do it so people see it. Uh, do it that God sees it and he'll reward you. Our attitude toward wealth is just remember, uh, if we treasure the things, if we treasure the things of heaven, that's what we're going to love. If we treasure the things of earth, that's what we're going to love. If we treasure the things of this world, that, we got a bad focus, so to speak. Can't serve both. So application. Let's do our good deeds to please God and not to be seen by others. Now, we've seen it all the way. He said about praying. He said about giving. He's even said about fasting. And then he says even about material things. What are you here for? What are you pushing? And so just think about it in that way. Our goal is to please God and one day to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. The second one is this. Let's keep the focus on the eternal things of God. I know it's hard. We live in a world that pushes us all the time, and it's okay to have things. Just don't let the things have you. Don't make it your goal and dream of life to have all these things. Just live for Christ. He's going to bless you. In fact, he blesses us beyond we could imagine. And let me just tell you, every one of us in this room are rich. You are. Just measure yourself. You've got a whole world out there. 
and measure every other country in the world, every other place in the world, and every one of us in this room are wealthy as far as the world is concerned. So we can't go around saying, I wish I, I, wish I had stuff you know, more than anybody else in the world. So we got to keep the focus not on material things because it's so easy in our country to have them. we got to put our focus, let's lay up treasure in heaven serving God. May we examine our lives this morning, seeking the eternal things of God rather than the temporal things and not do our things to be seen by people, but we want God to see it and that, let him uh, say, well done, good and faithful servant.